Introducing D'Addario XT. With D'Addario's proprietary high-carbon steel wire and fusion twist technology, XT strings give every player unprecedented brake resistance plus unyielding tuning stability. These strings are made to stay for performance that never fades away. That's Butch Walker doing his best Funk 49. How you doing, Butch? Yeah, I'm good. I, I, I tried to play it uh, more correct this time since I got yelled at by the community for uh, not ever for getting one note wrong in there. So uh, please forgive me, guitar community, for yeah, getting right? one note wrong. We'll give you a but second no, chance. But no, anyway, we gave yeah, you I got a call chance, from Joe. Yeah, Joe Walsh called me and said that he was disgraced by it. So... Uh, well, thank you for doing it a second time, and thank you for doing a rig rundown with us. If people aren't familiar with what we're talking about, you did our very first hook video, which you gave us a great story about, you know, Joe Walsh and Funk 49 and the James Gang kind of sinking its teeth into you and making you a guitar player that you are today. Yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, he, he, he's one of many people that inspired me to learn how to play, so. Well, that's not what we're here to do today. We're in, well, I'm in Nashville. You're in LA at Ruby Red Studios, your personal studio space. And we're going to talk about your gear, man. I really am glad that you're joining us for Rig Rundown. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I watch these all the damn time and I'm like, I want to do one. <laughs> <laughs> but as, as, we, as it's known, uh, Butch is obviously a great singer, songwriter, guitar player, musician, started as a drummer, but also, man, I can't wait to pick your ear about producing because you've done Green Day, Keith Urban, Taylor Swift, Weezer, Fall Out Boy, and one of my favorite movies of the last few years is Peanut Butter Falcon. That was a great soundtrack and an awesome movie. It's an incredible movie. My friend Tyler used to like, he used to crash over at my studio a lot uh, whenever he, he was living in Venice, the guy who uh, wrote and directed the movie. Oh, all and, right. uh, and and he's he would actually bring Zach, the kid with Down Syndrome, he would bring him by the studio and we would do sessions there and everything. Just, you know, I loved how he like normalized uh, you know, a kid with downs because it's, yeah. it, you know, people like movie studios didn't want to touch that uh, movie because of the subject matter. And I think that that's really crazy because they're just normal. They're just normal people that can function, you know, just like the yeah. rest of us. So, so it was really cool that he really, that he took a chance on this kid, Zach, and, uh, and made that movie. Dude, he stole the show. He stole the show for sure. So good. So good. <laughs> well, man, let's just start right where, what you got in your hands, your nice uh, Telecaster bound. What's the story on this? Yeah, this this is a custom shop, uh, uh, Tele Custom, that, you know, with the double binding, you know, a la Andy Summers vibe, uh, uh, and Joe Walsh. And I really love this guitar. Um, it just, it came to me by accident because uh, Fender, who I've had a relationship for a long time, uh, they were sending me a new guitar and um, this came instead. And really? it was the wrong, it was the wrong guitar but I played it and I fell in love with it and I was like, can I just keep this one instead and cancel the other one? <laughs> and they said, nope, no problem. And this has become probably my favorite telly of all time. It is obviously not a, uh, an old one, so it's not, um, I'm not a purist. I don't care about whether or not it's a 50s or 60s or a vintage guitar. I mean, t quite honestly, I can tell you more later about that, but it's yeah. like after, after you lose 50 vintage guitars in a fire, uh, you stop worrying about being precious about shit and you, you worry about more about what, what's actually functional to you and what do you like? Because 
you know, I, I probably had like 50 vintage guitars when I lost everything in a fire 13 years ago. And, uh, and I didn't play half of them because half of them played like shit <laughs> and yeah. didn't sound great. And so I was like, well, I think I'm just going to really care about what I like now and what's functional because I make enough music and enough records and play on tour a lot that life's too short just to have something live in a case or behind a glass case or on the wall just because it's a trophy. I don't care about that. Yeah. So this one I really love. Uh, and matter of fact, to add to even more sacrilege, I replaced the pickups with Fishman pickups. These are the... Um, these are the um, the uh, Greg Cock Gristletone. Yeah, those Fluence uh, pickups. Oh my God, I, they're incredible. I mean, I never thought I'd want to. Ever since my EMG metal days back in the day, <laughs> I'd ever want to that I would ever want a uh, battery that you know a battery powered pickup system or whatever a rechargeable DC one. Uh, in this case, where there's a tiny USB down down here, you know mm -hmm. that that you uh, that you plug into, but you don't have to you don't have to like sorry. You don't have to charge it, like, you know, but it lasts like 3,000 hours, and I mean, dude, I don't play 3,000 hours worth of guitar in a year, so, um, <laughs> sadly, because uh, I'm busy producing guitar most of the time, but yeah. it's, uh, it's actually, uh, it's actually amazing, because they put this little, little switch here that, um, when you play it, hear that boost? So it's like... You know, That's a solo You button. pop it out. Yeah. Yeah, and it's to emulate like the uh black uh you know versus uh whatever the traditional wiring was for tele pickups with the extra mid boost and all that and man it's just super functional. I really like it and um it plays great and I can dig into it and um just real spanky, you know. You know, it's just got a So it's really fun. And um, this is my go-to telly, and I've got pl plenty more tellies, but this is the one. Well, I was going to say, man, I, I, you're like a guitar guy in the sense that, you know, sometimes people play team sports and Gibson versus Fender, or they line up, but you, you kind of, you, you strike me as a guy that whatever the job needs to get done, but I do see you the most with the telly or strats, so do you feel that, like, do you feel that yourself, or are you just kind of open to whatever speaks to you? I, I am so an open book when it comes to guitars because I've gone through, you know, I'm 50 and I've gone through so many phases since my like teenage metalhead youth where I started on, you know, Ibanez and then my, I think one of my first real guitars was a Fender. It was a Fender Music Master. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, when I started getting good enough to where I could like, you know, play and gig for, for, for a living, uh, uh, which is relative, obviously, uh, but I, I did it full time. I, I, I found myself being first a um, like a, a Strat guy. I really like the Strat body style. It really, you know, it just fits me right, and it's comfortable to play. Uh, and I've got and I've gone through having so many Strats over the years: Fender Strats, whatever kind of Strats, uh, knockoff Strats, everything. And then, um, and then in the '90s, uh, I went to, through a Les Paul phase where I had like some old 70s Les Pauls I really loved. And that was more in my like hard rock band days where I wanted a beefier like humbucker tone. And Les Pauls were obviously in the late 80s, thanks to Slash, they, they had a, a resurgence and yeah. uh, became popular. And, um, and so I, I found myself with a couple of good Les Pauls uh, that I still wish I had and I don't. Um, and then, um, and then in the late 90s, I, mid 90s, I started just gravitating into the, the telly world. 
and that's where for for a good decade and and even to this day I still love picking up a telly uh but yeah I mean hollow bodies 335 style body semi hollows um you name it there's just you know all guitars matter <laughs> <laughs> what about um to bring it to something specific uh American Love Story your great concept record that just came out this year not too long ago what was like a heavy hitter on that? You know, I know that I'm sure you used a lot to color that record, but what was a big hitter on that? Uh, let me grab it and I'll show you. So, Excellent. Uh, so this this guitar, uh, which is I just picked this up uh, just recently, but I ended up using it. Uh, for the live stream of the record. This is an Ernie Ball Music Man Sabre, which um, I love this thing. Uh, it, it is, you know, when they finally came back out with a Strat body style double humbucker, almost like a 80s LA hot rod Strat yeah. guitar, you know? Uh, not to mention, let me, let me I, I, I'm, I'm not just doing endorsement plugs here. I, I wanna actually show you the guitar that did the, the, the beef of, of that record um, as well, which is based on this. And it's um, it's my this is a oh wow custom shop, this is a Fender spray over Shoreline Gold spray over uh, Sunburst, uh, this is a uh, master built uh, custom shop uh, Strat with a with a uh, sixty nine reverse left handed neck, um, and with d double shawbuckers in it, and this thing sounds incredible. So. Actually, I think I'm going to plug that in because it's actually, um, this is the one that actually, sorry. No I'm worries. I'm doing this by myself. I don't, I don't have a fancy, <laughs> I can't say, I can't have my tech bring me my uh, cheese plate and my, and my, uh, and my guitars uh, for me right now. So um, Was that commissioned or is, is that something they came to you with? I, I, I custom designed it myself. Okay. It's obviously, it's obviously not a, it's not a, uh, it's 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 its own thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, but they uh they uh. So it's a really fun guitar, you know. Sounds really good and plays really good. I took it on tour uh, when right after I got it, you know, broke it in real nice and it it played the bulk of the record. And then I got that uh, I got the saber obviously to uh, to kind of uh, be the the yin to this yang because I don't know why I was just really 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 into uh, to um, getting back into my Steve Lukather love and um, <laughs> and he he just um, he was like. You know, he was also a, a huge influence on me uh, growing up back in back in the early, you know, the late 70s, early 80s. Toto, yeah, man. Toto vibes. Michael Jackson, and yeah. Yeah, and you've done Rig Rundown with him before, and he's just one of the coolest guys on the planet. One of the best moments, one of my favorite Nam moments <laughs> was uh, was last year getting to walk up to him and uh, and tell him what he meant to me. And, and, you know, as a, as a kid growing up and learning melodic guitar with the ripping tone and all that, and that's like, he's just, he epitomized that uh, with just the most tasteful solos and memorable and hooky and, 
and he just grabbed my face and he started like telling me what a, what a fan he was of mine. And it blew my mind. I was like, I couldn't believe he even knew. I was like, you don't know me from shit. And he goes, oh no, I do. And he started rattling off records and stuff. And I was like, ah, this is awesome. Do you so, still uh, enjoy going to a- NAMM? Like as a complete sidebar, do you, do you still enjoy NAMM? Is NAMM a thing you like to do? Um, I think it's just like with alcohol in moderation, yeah. you know? And sometimes it takes alcohol to deal with NAMM. <laughs> but, um, but it's more just my anxiety goes through the roof because I'm like, I, I, it's like it's in the world's largest guitar center versus a, a casino yeah. is what it feels like. And I don't enjoy either one of those. So, um, but, but I do love going to see the companies that support me and I love going and seeing new gear and it's, uh, it's just sensory overload. But yeah, I get also that. just, man, getting the random, uh, getting, getting the random, like, you know, Carmine, Carmine Apathy sighting <laughs> and Billy Sheehan sighting and all that is like, it, it reminds me is like, God, I've been coming to NAMM since like 1988, hasn't yeah. changed at all. Well. Uh, yeah. And then I, that's where I fell in love with this guitar was I went over to the NAMM booth to see my guys uh, at Music Man because Derek Brooks, the guy at NAMM, uh, at, at Ernie Ball, uh, he, uh, he used to do a tape duplication business, CD and tape duplication business in Atlanta where I grew up. And he used to make all of my bands copies of our independent records. And um, he would ship them to us on the road and we'd be sitting in the van folding J cards and packaging them to sell them at the shows. And Derek <laughs> and I had a close relationship and now he's obviously up the totem pole there at um you know at at the company and and so i it, it, when i saw this over there in the booth they were debuting the saber yeah i just picked it up off the wall and played it and was like oh come on man so uh had to have one what do you like about the double humbucker setup in a you know strats or trip you know traditionally three you know single coils so what do you like about the double hum you know it, it well, the word is hum, right? So yeah, it's like, yeah. I like the fact that there is none, but but also just if you need a little bit more bite for solos and stuff, and they really tailored these pickups great. These are the stock pickups that come in them, and uh, this neck pickup is really like bitey. Like it's spanky and has a top end to it. It's not so, uh, you can really dig into it and it doesn't sound like uh, like this. You know, like all muddy. Yeah. So, um, and then the bridge pickup is more beefy. So, it's really just a meat and potatoes guitar, and the, the whammy stays in tune. It doesn't go out of tune when you use it, which is how novel. Yeah. You know, and then, um, and it's just balanced, and the neck is like, I mean, Dude, I want to make sweet love to this neck. It's like it's so, it's so gorgeous to play, and it's it's just it's it's small and fast and has like a really cool, you know, grippiness to it that have, I like. And the do you like yeah. or buy into the roasting? You know that people, especially Ernie Ball, I want to say, kind of pioneered or they've brought that to the market, and everyone's kind of jumped on in, in certain regards. Do you do you buy into the roasting effect and how that feels? Well, I'm sure I'll get I'll get roasted in the comment section for not for for not knowing this, but like I don't know what the fuck it does. All I know is it looks cool as shit. Yeah. I don't know that it doesn't. What does it do? Does it do something to the tone? If it does, it sure does sound good. But um, 
what I mean, I think it's also is it a thing of like the st stability, right? Yeah. So that it stays it in tune the better. Yeah, it's supposed to make it, right. like, age the yeah. instrument. But the same reason I bought the first Kiss album because of the cover, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I I like I picked this up and said, oh, that's sexy. But um, but no, it just it just feels and plays good, and I guess if that's what it does, it sure does stay in tune good, you know. Does it still? Cause like, correct me if I'm wrong. On American Love Story, like a song like Gridlock or Pretty Crazy has that quintessential Strat tone. Between that, the Custom Shop one or the Saber, does that still have like what we hear that slinky, springy Strat? Yeah, let me think of what I used on that. I know I used for the uh, solo on it. I used the um, the double humbucker Strat. Okay. Uh, which is basically what this does. And then um, on the. Uh, and I probably used for the um, for the rhythm sounds. I used either that or my SA twenty two hundred Yamaha just for a big warm neck uh, three thirty five style uh, semi hollow. I can show you that guitar if you yeah. want to see it. Yeah, let's see it. Um, yeah, it's pretty dope. It's um, this guitar. They um, they they made this for me for my specs because they they, they I got a white one uh, that I loved. Uh, it was just a traditional double humbucker, and then um, and then they made me this. Man, that's great! I love the three humbuckers. Oh, me too. I was like, I really want a triple humbucker guitar, but I, I'm kind of I'm gonna do some, you know, Jerry Garcia shit to the, all of this, and uh, and uh, because I'm I'm not a big fan of um, tons of volume and tones and all that. That's one thing I couldn't get with on a Les Paul. Was um, was I like one volume for all the pickups, one tone for all the pickups, mm -hmm. just like on a Strat, you know, except for there's two tones. But um, but so what I did is I had them basically take the take the the um, existing uh, cavities for the uh, pots, and up here where the three-way switch was, I put the volume master okay. volume because I like it to be close to me because I do this all the time because I do a lot of like cleaning my guitar up with this. I don't channel switch. <laughs> So that would have been kind of like the tone on gridlock, you know, you right, and then open it up, and then you know, you know, go, you can. Uh, so it's like um, what we did is we filled these holes uh, here with coil taps. Oh. So and it's a and a five-way position. So it's almost like a, it's like a it's a wolf in sheep's clothing, you know. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so you can get like, you know, like you can get like a, a like this is kind of fun. So if I go, sorry if it's buzzing, that's, you know, single coil, you know, you know, so like you can get the out of phase thing and then go back to a humbucker, you know, and I, You know, it man, does it. A, it kind of does it. Yeah, does it man. all. Yeah, it does it all. And and again, just beautiful. Like they really do a good job. And man, I know a lot of people might overlook and think that like, oh, okay, it's a you know whatever. It's a Japanese company or it's Yamaha, and they make they make motorboats and stuff. But like their guitar company has been, if you ask me, they've been on top of this shit since the since the '70s. You know, and even before in the '60s when they were making. Uh, you know, acoustic guitars, they were making like the FG-18s and things like that, like really 
solid built guitars, and I've got a bunch of those too. I love the old vintage uh, Yamahas. I've got an SG2000, which is the, uh, you know, the double cutaway. Yeah, like the um, Santana. Exactly that guitar. That's what. That's where he he made that guitar famous, and it it kind of was the predecessor to um to the PRS, you know, with the double cutaway. And when he went to a PRS, basically that was like that, which I love as well. I have a beautiful white PRS. I just don't have enough guitar stands to have all of my favorite guitars <laughs> out. <laughs> so um, that's that's guitar problems, right? Yeah, no. But um, but yeah, this is you know it they uh. That guitar, when I got that, I was like, "Oh man, I forgot how great these were!" Like they're just they is their 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 craftsmanship and everything is like second to none. They really care about it, and if they don't get it right, they'll take it back and and get it more than right. Yeah, don't and sleep Pat, on their craftsmanship. We went to we went over no, to Japan for uh, we've toured Takamini and uh, ESP in October, and man, Japanese they are second to none when it comes to everything, but guitar building specifically. Oh yeah, and Pat the uh Pat the uh he's the master luthier over here in uh Calabasas in California and he built this from scratch. He's he's amazing too and he's a, he's just a very very like overqualified uh uh luthier. So um yeah, they they've been really good to me and made me some really cool instruments. This one included. I I really love this thing and it's it's unique, you know, and it and it it's catered to my needs. Where like we relocated the the switch in the in the pick guard because I don't want to reach all over the guitar and I don't want it right here because I'm yeah. kind of like bam bam I'm like bam bam when I play and it's just everything gets hit and knocked out of tune and so it's like um, this is great because I can just be you know I can just be playing and then flick it flick it play just doesn't get in the way if I'm having to like sing and yell at some guy in the audience for being a dick and like still play a solo, I don't want to have to um, like look at the guitar the whole time. So yeah. this guitar I don't have to look at, you know. At that point you're just, you're, you're able to perform, you're not having to overthink things. That's correct, yeah. Well, I see the Les Paul before we move on to your acoustics behind you. Let's talk about that Les Paul. And while you're getting that, Butch, I know that you're Ernie Ball guy. I've watched your string theory video a few times. So tell everyone, uh, obviously Ernie Ball, but what do you break, use slinkies, power slinkies, and what gauge? Yes, I've been I've been using slinkies for uh, well as long I mean since the Ice Age. I don't even know how long now, uh, but it's I use the Purple Pack, which is the uh, I believe it's 11 through 46, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, again, I apologize, guitar people. I'm so not a technical guy. You'll see when you see my pedal board, I look like a mess. But um. <laughs> I, I just know it's kind of like the um, it's like the equivalent of like when you know some when somebody was joking <laughs> about uh, a rich politician they they quoted they're like how much is a jar of mayonnaise these days five hundred bucks you know it's like that's kind of how that's kind of how I am about gear it's like what am I playing I don't know does it have six strings on it I'll I'll play it that's fine yeah so but I just I do know that my tech box has uh, has the the purple packs in it and I've been using the the purples for years and years and years and they're just you know they're just great strings and I've, I've read and heard butch that over time have you not and correct me again if i'm wrong is you've gone up in string gauge over through your career i remember i think you, i read that you started on nines and maybe that was when you were a younger player that's what you could get but you went to tens and now you're at 11s do you ever see yourself going to 12s I tried 12s for a little while just because of Stevie Ray Vaughan or something, and I was like, who am I kidding? I don't have that strength in my hands. And, 
you know, <laughs> I see a lot of guys too, like when they start like getting over the, over the uh, arc, they uh, go back down to like nines and, yeah. and they're just like, oh, they're like, oh, I just want it to be easy. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I respect that because when I pick up a guitar at a store and it's got light, really light strings on it and you're ripping, you're like, oh man, why is this thing so easy to play? Oh, okay. You know, but, um, but I find that live 11s are much more utilitarian for me as far as, you know, they're, I, they stay in tune better for me. I play so much harder and I bend way more because of, I'm just full of like ridiculous energy on stage and I can't help it and I'm just a spaz. Yeah. So I think it, the, the heavier gauge string controls me a little bit and makes my playing not end up sounding like, a, you know, a guy with a nerve condition, <laughs> you know, where I'm not just, you know, I'm not just like going, you know, when I play. So, um, so it, th that being said, this guitar still has the same strings on it from when I bought it from Norm. <laughs> wow. So, um, it, and these are light gauge strings and they go out of tune like crazy on me. So it might just go out of tune by looking at it and talking about it. Yeah. It's kind of okay at the moment, but, uh, um, I picked this guitar up, my buddy Todd, uh, Todd Weisenbaker, you know, he's, a uh, he, uh, he's over at Norm's and it's a cool cat. And he posted a picture of this guitar and I immediately text him and I go, bro, what, what, what's the deal with that guitar? And he sent me the pictures of the guy who owned it, uh, all through his career. He was one of the, apparently he was one of the top five session guys, uh, in Los Angeles and his, uh, his, uh, his name was, um, Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> like, wow. like the yeah. actor. Yeah. But, um, and he played on a lot of records and this, and there's pictures of him from the eighties with this exact guitar, with the weird, uh, coil tapping, uh, additions. And that was the thing. I was really, really wanting another Les Paul. I, I, all I have is a Les Paul that's, that I keep at my studio in Tennessee. That is a, um, it's like a VOS, uh, standard, okay. uh, tobacco sunburst, which is beautiful. Uh, after the fires, I didn't have a single electric guitar. And my, my good friend, uh, Pink, who I'd worked on a bunch of her records, literally went out and bought me that guitar and and brought it over to my house. And That's I awesome. cried. And I was like, ah! You know, because <laughs> it, it was my only electric guitar. So I was missing having one, you know, especially out here where I'm I'm out in the West Coast making records most a lot of the time. So it's like um, I wanted a custom. I was really dying for a custom because, you know, ever since... Frampton comes alive, and even even uh, to a more metal degree, uh, the first couple of Motley Crue records, Mick Mars with his, uh, I believe his was like a '73 uh, or something. Uh, someone will correct me in the comments, uh, <laughs> but it's a it's a '72, '73 or whatever. This was a '72 with already had Demarzio Creams in it, and just I mean, it's just such a it's a rocking guitar. So it does the thing, you know, you know. You know, it's like super fun. That's with some gain on it, but uh See it went out of tune. <laughs> It said "fuck Billy Squire." <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I love Billy, but this is um, this is a great guitar, and it's really it's it you know it needs a proper setup and new strings on it clearly. But um, man, I've been too busy picking it up and using it on records to change the fucking strings. So, <laughs> you know, it's like I'll stop and tune it every ten seconds and just keep going. Yeah. But um, 
Man, I love this thing. It's a rock and roll machine. How long have you had it? I've had it for about six months. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, what, yeah. let's talk about some of those acoustics behind you. Let's do. Uh, so this, uh, this is one of my favorite guitars at the moment. And it is a, um, I, I collect these uh, old uh, harmonies uh, and I collect them uh, to uh, mo mostly have the work done by my buddy Scott Baxendale who is now in Athens, Georgia, right up the road from where I was born. Yeah, a lot of the drive-by trucker um, guys get stuff done by him. He, right, and uh, so you can see in the sound hall, that's his, uh, you know, whatever, his thing. Yep. But, um, you know, he he goes through these old silver tone harmonies and Ks and um, takes them completely apart, rebraces them, refrets, rebridges, re everything is, is like, um, he just gets it to be professionally you know, done. And, and it's, it's the grade and craftsmanship of these guitars was underwhelming when they came out because they were just, they were good wood. Some even like, some even like have, have uh, rumored that it was like Martin scrap wood from the sixties. And, um, and they just assembled the guitars kind of shitty yeah. and sold them through and sold them at department stores for a hundred bucks. So, you know, this, you know, you could get like Sears and and Woolworths and JC Penney and all these guys had their own uh guitars. They had they had K, they had um uh Silvertone har harmony all that. So these Harmony Sovereigns are obviously great guitars, but once once Scott does the work to them, they're just Now I don't have that plugged in, so you can't really hear it over here, but I'll I'll show you one plugged in or I'll show you my next guitar plugged in through what I use for acoustic gotcha. uh, for live for tracking. But this on a really good mic is just like, you know, it's just butter and um and they just they just play and sound so good. And um this is my favorite guitar to record right now, one of my favorite acoustics and I've got a, a decent amount of them. What were you using with American Love Story cuz that if not has acoustic songs, but a lot of it is layered with acoustic guitars. I know that's kind of your thing where you take an acoustic guitar and double it with, uh, you know, the electric rhythm part. I think that's a really kind of a hallmark of yours. Yeah. So like even on that song, Gridlock, you're talking about, that's actually my Yamaha 12 string, which is not in the picture here, but I have a, I have what, whatever the equivalent of like the LL26, uh, or it's like the 12 or whatever. Uh, that's my 12 string go-to guitar that I use in the studio and it just tracks really well, plays easy. You can actually capo it and it works, you know? Um, and then, um, and then I used this guitar a lot, which this is really a special guitar to me because, um, this is one of their master built LL 56s, which is based off of the, it's, it's the updated version of the, I want to say it was the L 55 which was the John Denver model oh. that they made for him in the 70s, which was just beautiful. I mean, all with the, all a crazy pearl abalone inlay and binding around the edges and stuff. And um, so this is a, obviously a less glammy version of it, but, um, but they only make a few of these a year by hand. And I begged and mm -hmm. pleaded for them to make me one of these. And this thing just sounds amazing. Uh, and I'm going to... Maybe this is a good time for me to show you what I'm using uh, for live, uh, because the only way you're going to hear yeah. this through here is if I if I were to record it. Well, you can hear it like through the microphone that that is picking up my voice.
really beautiful, balanced, you know, slope shoulder, cool guitar. Love it. Um, Do you and tour then, with um, that one? Do you tour? Is that like a live guitar you'd also use to or no? It's too special? No, no, no. It doesn't leave here. Uh, <laughs> what I do, but what I use live is I use, uh, they have a reissue of what's called the FG 180, which is the big folk guitar in the 60s. And I have a, I have one, a uh, FG 180 with like a, with double bat wing pit guards oh, and um, yeah. my, and like my name monogrammed. It's kind of cool. And then I use a LL 26, which is just under this one as far as in the, um, you know, the master uh, built line or whatever you want to call them. And it, it's a great guitar. The LL26 is super solid. And so I'm using between that and the FG180. What do you like to kind of unpack? Um, you, we were bringing up Gridlock constantly here, but to use that song as an example of like why you pair acoustic or even a 12 string, your Yamaha with, with an electric guitar rather than just stacking guitar tracks on top of guitar tracks. Why do you do? You mean like, as, as far as uh, like accenting acoustic parts with electric and vice versa? Mm -hmm. It's just like, I love the sound of it. Lindsey Buckingham always did it back in the day. And the, the record, American Love Story, is like a very much a walkthrough of the soundtrack on the radio at that time in my life, which would have been the late 70s, early 80s of when you went from like, things being like all this AM gold on the radio and then into like the early 80s when 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 things started getting a little more hi-fi and slick and 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 big sounding but I, I just always loved the way Lindsey Buckingham layered guitars and he would do that on so many records where you would hear a 12 string acoustic doubled with a electric line and um, it's just such a unique sound that is hard to get with anything on its own. It kind of reminds me of like Jeff Lynne too. He, he, he would do something like that sometimes too. He would use a 12 string to kind of accent yeah. stuff. Exactly, exactly. Cool, uh, is yep. there an, another one last one behind you there? There is. Uh, so that is the newest addition to the, to the family that I've been using on records as well. And it's a, it's a Taylor Grand Pacific, which is their new line. Sorry, all my shit's got dust all over it, and it's not because it doesn't get played. It's just dusty here. But um, this is a really fun fun little, you know, small body uh, guitar. I actually just put an aftermarket pick guard on it because they didn't come with pick guards. And, um, yeah, I love the pick guard. And this, thing, this thing's got such a great, like... It's just a cool sounding. You know. It's got such an interesting mid-range to it, just a real pronounced mid-range, which to me, when recording, it's what I end up scooping everything out and leaving in to sit with drums, bass, and electric guitar so you can really hear the acoustic. Because if, you know, obviously you can't just get this big, boomy, bottom, you know, heavy acoustic sound and it work in a mix. So this guitar really cut cuts through in the mix, as they say. Um, and it really does do that, for lack of a better cliche. Uh, that's actually disc this guitar, and um, I really love it. It's, a, it's, a, it's really well made, and uh, just sounds and plays great. Do you, uh, will you capo that one? Are there specific guitars that you capo to try and, like, you know, either to use national oh, tuning, yeah. or do you, uh, to, to like change the timbre of, of stuff to kind of, to add Yes, up? I actually, I, actually, I do. Let me let me pull one that's not in view. Uh, that's uh, and uh, man, I apologize in advance if this thing's out of tune because it's in a Nashville tuning and it hasn't been played in a minute. So.
Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it should be in tune, but it's not. But this is a um, this is my old uh, actually my sister. Uh, she gave me this guitar. It was her ex boyfriend's, and uh, I think there was nothing that made her happier to. Uh, <laughs> than to get rid of it, but also to give it to me after the fires. So she gave me this little um, LG2, I think it's called, right? Uh, and um, and it, it's it's just such a really cool guitar that that you can't put heavy gauge strings on them anyway because the, it's short scale and everything. And the neck bows out and everything. Mm. And it, so I made this my uh, you know, I made this my like you know you know my Nashville tuning guitar, which is just all the high strings from a 12 string set basically. Uh, and um, it tracks really well. And I, I think I used this on the record as well, sometimes where it might've sounded like a 12 string. Okay. Yeah, as an extra layer. So that's a fun little guy. Cool. Yeah. Cool, I'm back. <laughs> All right, well, Butch, maybe we can grab another electric. Maybe one of, I'll let you choose your electric and then you can talk to us about the amp we've been hearing and then dive through your pedal board. Well, the amp that I've been using the most in the studio these days uh, has been my buddy John Thompson over at Bad Cat. He's been making some really amazing amps. Uh, Bad Cat's just, to me, making killer shit right now. And they've got this amp that, when, ever since I heard a demo of it online, was the Cub 440R, and uh, I fell in love with it. It was like the tone that I like, which is like a really kind of a sparkly, glassy, almost Fender Bassman meets AC30 vibe, you know? Like, that's my that's my favorite tone uh, over, say, like the Marshall tone, which I love Marshalls, but mm -hmm. um, I like an amp with one channel where I can just roll the volume down a little bit and it cleans up, or just play it lightly, and it's, and it's like... You know, that's like volume all the way up, you know? Or you can dig in, you know. Right? And then. And then they take pedals really well because obviously if you need more, a little more bite, then uh, I'll just, and I'll put like a, I'll, I'll put like, I've got my own uh, signature uh, Ruby Red pedal by JHS that they made that they made for me. It was a limited edition. They only made a few of them, uh, and we sold out of them, and they haven't made them since. Uh, so, but I still use it. Funny enough, on my board all the time, and it just gives you a little extra. It's 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 a it's basically based off of their Superbolt pedal, which I fell in love with, which is kind of like based on a uh, Supro mm -hmm. uh, amplifier, and um, and so it's an overdrive but not distortion, and you get like a really you get the characteristic of the amp. Uh, but with more hair, if you like. Mm -hmm. And it's also it's also two pedals. One is a clean boost, and the other one is the overdrive section. So when I'm in a... You'll see on this pedal board, this is my... Let's call it my touring pedal board uh, for, like, you know, most purposes, which is very small micro board. Uh, one of those chocks uh, setups uh, for power with the uh, Pedal Train Nano Plus board. Um, and... And this this pedal gives me two two stages of gain, you know, if I need it together. So it's like when I when I play it without it, and then I pick it in. 
through a um, what it's doing is it's running through the effects loop of a uh, I'm running a four cable method right now actually on this bad cat because it has an effects loop and what I've got is and I love this pedal is the line six helix stomp and you know because I'll show you I'll show you my other pedal board which is my expanded all all pedal pedal board mm -hmm. and it basically is mimicking everything inside of that that i have in pedals that i can't fit on the pedal train nano board you know because yeah. because on my big board i've got like a carbon copy mxr i've got a mxr reverb i've got an echoplex pedal delay i've got a i've got a like a clon copy i've got a chorus mxr i've got a ruby red pedal i've got a um orange squeezer pedal a tuner that's, it's a lot of stuff, right? I mean, for a guy who doesn't like a lot of pedals. Um, and so to make things simple and p compact, I made this board, and I picked up the HX Stomp, which, I mean, if you want to split hairs and compare the original to the emulations in the Stomp, sure, there's going to be some differences. But can I find something in there that sounds bitchin' when I, like, kick it on? Yeah, I can. And so... I set it up, and it's I've set it up where it's in basically snapshot mode. It has three switches, and for me, what works is one block in it is an effects an effects loop block, and that effects loop block is to kick in and out the ruby red pedal. Okay. Because I always wanted I want that independent. I don't want to emulate that, and so I have that where I can do it. Right, and then um. If I go to the second snapshot, uh, I get slap back. And um, the amp reverb is on right now, so I just don't want to run over there and cut it off, so sorry. But uh, it's, it, it's, all, it's always kind of on, because I like to have that, you know, just for that, you know. And then... Uh, I tend to like a slapback sound, you know. And um, that's that's the second snapshot. Uh, and then when I go to the third, uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's full on. Oh. Uh... You know, I can get the straight to Andy Summers. Right. Oh, yeah. And I've got like a, I've got like a, um, it's like a um, MXR compressor pedal uh, in the first block, basically, that comes on when I flip on that third snapshot, and then the uh, the boss like CE2 chorus style mm -hmm. uh, is on, and then a. Um, Oh, and I didn't mention this, but if, if I've got on a, an expression pedal made uh, by Dunlop that basically uh, will always... So always on is a long delay, like a wash, and I can add this in. So...
and that's always I can swell that in and out if I want it. And that's kind of nice if I need it for like a for like a solo thing or something like that, you know. <laughs> So yeah, that's an use, extra. You use reverb in a, a real tasteful way uh, in your recordings. I know that like plate reverb, sometimes you'll overload that. So that swell effect, does that come in to kind of emulate that? Yeah, and and I'll use it. Uh, I'll use it, you know, in and out a lot. And then um, and then third, I've got this DMC micro. It's basically just a relay MIDI relay switch that you can use as a. That's the thing I like about the the stomp is it only has three foot switches, but if you need to hook up extra sources for like for extra uh, bypassing and and swelling in delays and assigning any parameters to any foot switch, there's a ton of the outputs on it for that. So I've got it midied to this uh, DMC pedal, and I've got it assigned to a switch. So when I hit it, it turns on a um, it's either like a Timmy pedal or 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 a Klon pedal simulation. But so if I So that's kind of fun. So it just gives me an extra, it gives me an extra gain stage if I need more than the Ruby Red or if I want it to, let's say I want to assign it to a fuzz, then I can make that hit, a, you know, for a fuzz or something like that. So I find just for like, uh, you know, for, for versatility and a very small footprint, this pedal board has been set, has been working for me a ton. Would you, so I would, you would you mind going through the bigger uh, pedal board and kind of showing us what the, the traditional stomps you got there? Sure. Now the bigger pedal board is not hooked up right now, okay. but I can at least, but I can tell you what's on it again if yeah. you want. Yeah. Um, so it starts with, um, it goes into a, a Polytune, TC Electronics Polytune, which I actually have the small version of the Polytune on my little micro board as well. Okay. Because I really love it. I like, I appreciate the tuners built into everything these days, but I, I always want an external tuner, especially if it doesn't, if it's true bypass. And I think the TC ones and the boss ones work the best. So I have that going into an orange squeezer uh, pedal by JHS, which is, you know, a great compressor pedal for being able to blend wet and dry into it and also add a gain grit if you need it. And then that goes into my Ruby Red signature pedal. And then it goes into a conspiracy theory pedal by Way Huge, which is sort of like their kind of, it's kind of like their, you know, their clon on a budget. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever, again, I, I had expensive rare vintage pedals that all burned in a fire and i was like never again yeah <laughs> i'll find something that works and sounds good that i can sleep at night knowing it actually sounds sounds okay you know um and then i've got an echoplex uh pedal the dunlop uh, mxr echoplex pedal going in there which i really love that and i've got a little mxr tap tempo button next to it and then it's going into a carbon copy uh delay as well so that I can have basically the Echoplex I like it as a um, slapback because I think it's I still think the Echoplex tape echo for slap is you just can't get any better it's like the it's it's the Jimmy Page you know yeah sound uh, that I love of his Les Paul or his telly through a, a Marshall or a Supro or whatever um, and then with the Echoplex because the Echoplex also drives you know it has that uh, it drives yeah, and that preamp pedal they make is awesome as well, mm -hmm. but I just didn't have room for it on this board. And then uh, the MXR Carbon Copy I use is like a long washy delay that I can actually kick in and out if I want for solos and stuff. Then it goes into an MXR Reverb 
pedal, which I also find to be a kick-ass digital reverb pedal that does like, it does all kinds of, does all the flurb and the weird shit, but also it just does a great spring reverb. And, um, and then finally it goes out into the stereo chorus, which is the MXR stereo chorus, which is one of my favorite stereo choruses there is. Um, and then I have the option of running that out stereo to two amps or one. And it cool. sounds great. Right on, man. And what yeah. about, uh, we kind of go backwards here, but what about picks? We talked about strings, but what do you use for picks? Do you, do you have any preference? Her Yes, thank you to Keith Urban for making my life uh, flip upside down, literally, with the Herco. Uh, and because I, I, I play like this with the upside down butt end of the pick because mm -hmm. I like the scrapey, the serrated edge. Uh, I used to hate these kind of picks. I'd be like, ooh, weird grippy shit on a pick. Ooh, you know? And so I was always just using whatever fender mediums and, and heavies and extra heavies and all that. Uh, these are the... Uh, this is what we consider the heavy gauge. And um, for electric, I use that. And for acoustic, I use the medium uh, gauge uh, nylon uh, Herco. But there's a thing that it does when you're like, you know, when you're, when you're like, um, like. So that's what the normal, and then when you go to the butt, the butt end. It just has a, I play very hard, and so it actually just complements, uh, it gets a scrape to the string, which actually adds almost like a top end or a percussive element to the, to the tone. And that was a Keith Urban trick when we were making that Fuse record on some of the songs on it. He was like, he's like, ah, mate, you gotta, you know, he was like, you gotta try these. Sorry, <laughs> mate, I almost went full, full Aussie, uh, which I cannot do. Um, and then that basically, uh, became my pick and I can't play without them now. Yeah, so I'm always calling, I'm always calling up the guys and going like, please, I need another bag. I need another bag. <laughs> There's another, uh, when we did a rig rundown with the edge, we did a tech with, or we did with his tech Dallas. And he said that, that the edge does the same thing. I don't that's think he where uses that Herco, sound. But yeah, but he did that. But that's where that, he gets that real kind of like, you know, that really, he gets a real scrapey, strat like clean glassy thing with that and it, there's just something about like a serrated edge that that does that um same reason that when billy gibbons was using a peso for years uh it's that it's got like a scrape when it hits the strings brian may too yeah, using the uh, six pence yes and so you can hear it man especially when they clean when they clean up you can just hear that scrape on the string and it's to me i think it's a dope sound so um, so I love using those. Are there any other tricks that maybe, I mean, not to like, you know, have you divulge too much, but are there any other tricks that being a producer, but also being a guitarist, that's also a musician that you've picked up, uh, working with other artists that have kind of fell into your repertoire or fell into how you look at the instrument? That pick one was one of the big ones for me. Is that yeah. simple. Like, like literally a 75 cent pick. I was like, okay, that, that changes a lot because it, it changed how I approached the gain stage to amps because you can actually cheat and use less gain if, if by hitting harder and having that, that edge uh, to it, so to speak, the edge. And it d gives you a thing that just almost is like a, it's almost like natural overdrive, you know? And, um, and so that, and I, I think over the years, I just go through different phases of how I like my amps to react and respond and how hard I drive them versus how hard I don't. 
um, and what kind of amps I'm using. And I mean, there's that's that's kind of the beauty of of music and guitar and and electronics and amplification is that there's you can just you can just find something that's inspiring to you every couple of years, and then all of a sudden you go into that go down that rabbit hole and live there for a while comfortably and then come back out and go, okay, what else you got? And then I'll, I'll get inspired by something else, but I'm always learning. You know, I still, I feel like I'm always learning, especially in the studio producing some kid will come in and I'll work on their record and I'll learn something from them or an old pro will come in and I'll learn something, a tip or a trick from them. So it's a beautiful thing to be doing it for this long and still learning and realizing I don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good attitude to have to be open-minded where I'm sure a lot of people like yourself, like, you know, you have such a litany of artists you've worked with and discographies and, you know, credits, but you still have an open mind. And I think that's always, uh, you know, you can use that everywhere we go, not just as musicians, but as people too. Agreed. Man, and while we have you, just one last question. Uh, not only about what we're hearing, but how are you miking, and how are, are we? Are you miking up your cab? Are you going direct? Um, how are people hearing it? And also, uh, what about mics, and how important are they to you in terms of uh, recording? And then also, what you try to do live. Well, I love doing this because it always fucks with people. Is <laughs> I like I, I like saying, you know, oh, everything you've heard right now is 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 uh, direct through a helix. Or everything you've heard right now is uh, a mic'd up cabinet with a with a vintage U67 on it. I'd, I'd rather let people decide. But I'll tell you right now that actually, but for not only for convenience, but also I really love the sound of it, and I use it in the studio now as much as I do a mic'd cabinet. Is my my UA Aux, oh. and that's exactly that is what we're going through right now. And I've got it on a custom 212 cabinet uh, that's. Um, it's almost like a um, one of those custom boutique 212s with uh, Alnico 50s in it, so to speak, with a um, with like a ribbon buyer dynamic ribbon 160 and a U67 mic simulation on the cabinet, uh, blending in the room mic and uh, with an 1176 compressor on it and a little bit of EQ, and uh, man, between that and some of the 412s and the little 112 closed back cabinets they got in there. It's amazing what I can get out of my amps because I'm using my real amps. And right now we're using the Bad Cat Cub 440R uh, right into the aux. And, uh, man, I, I love it. It just sounds dope. And I that's pretty much on every record now. So that's what you've been listening to. What about... For, for better or for worse. Uh, for, for live situation, you know, uh, whenever the tour happens again and what you had been using on previous tours, what do you... Do you pour over the ideas of what you can take on the road when it comes to mics or do you let it go knowing that there's so many things that happen between your guitar and what people hear in the crowd do you have a specific well, I mic can tell you, bring with you i can tell you this i used to be very specific about that in my cabinets i would always have like a uh i would either have like a um you know a sennheiser um i think it was the 402 i can't remember the flat mic uh i'd use that or even bring out my royers uh, for a ribbon, but it just became so dicey bringing out high-end microphones like that that I'd be like, fuck it, just put a 57 on it. Mm -hmm. And and it sounded great, but I, I got to say, when I go back out, I'll be using the aux. I'm going to take the aux. Because not only that, but you can attenuate it as well. Uh, and like you can crank your amp and attenuate it going to your cabinet. And it doesn't even matter if you have a cabinet plugged into this one. You don't have to with the aux, which is actually cool. But um but I do run it through a cabinet so I can actually bring in the mon to monitor, which is what we're doing right now. We're monitoring in the room at half volume uh, <laughs> through a cabinet. 
but uh, but what you'll hear is you'll hear it coming through the aux, um, and uh, and and also it just it sounds consistent as long as your amp is running consistent every night. Your it sounds exactly the same in front of house every night, which is beautiful. And if you don't like it, you can change it to any cabinet, any mic, any simulation, whatever you want. So um, that that piece has blown me away out of some of the creations in the last few years. That one has really blown me away. Well, uh, we'll get you out of here on this, and I know this is not related, but it sort of is because we all come from somewhere. Is I, I just want to throw you a shout out for doing this awesome fan-generated Father's Day video on your Instagram a couple days ago, because as we're filming this, Father's Day was Sunday. And that was a really cool tribute that you kind of got the fans involved, and that was something... I, I knew the song well before because it's been out in previous records, but it was cool that you incorporated that, and it's, you know, everyone's hopefully got a dad in their life or at some point, and that they were close to at school. Yeah, anybody that out there is at odds with their with with their parents, you know, with your or with your dad, you know, call your dad because <laughs> they're not going to be around forever. So uh, that was a good tribute. That was a nice tribute to my dad as well. So, yeah, man, thank you for doing that. I had my dad in town this weekend. We hit the river. It was it was good. We, it was a good time. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Butch. I appreciate you all the way from California, here in Tennessee. Thank you again for another rig rundown. Thanks, man.